Let's make it rain. Hello, everyone. This is another bonus episode. Last Sunday of every month, I drop a special gem. Today, I want to talk about Saul versus Paul. But before we do so, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for going before us, setting our crooked path straight. And we thank you in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. That being said, Saul versus Paul. I also want to put this in parentheses, don't lose yourself. So the title is Saul versus Paul, don't lose yourself. The reason why I call that don't lose yourself is because of this TikTok I actually saw recently. It's pretty funny. It's this guy, he's a rapper, he's a comedian. He puts out content with him dressed up like his mom or his grandma playing his song. And they're listening to it and they hear something and they're like, whoa, wait a minute now. Like, for instance, it's his song. He's acting like he's in the backseat playing it for his mom. So the song's actually pretty good. He's dressed up like his mom and <laughs> she hears a line about herself and it's fabricated. And she's like, whoa, wait a minute now. Like, Don't be throwing me under the bus. That's not how that went down. <laughs> it's like the song's cute, but don't lose yourself, my boy. <laughs> Pretty funny. So reason why I was thinking about throwing this in, because as Christians, sometimes we lose ourselves. Sometimes when we come to God, we get ourselves together, we forget how we got there, get all high and mighty, start looking down upon people. See it time and time again. Remember, don't lose yourself. So Saul, Saul would, he definitely would have been that guy when Jesus says, he who without sin cast the first stone. I could see Saul being there, picking up a handful of rocks and start pelting the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. In my opinion, I could see Saul thinking he would have been justified just from what he wrote himself. Think about that. If Saul was there that day, I could see him being like, you know what? Yeah, I think I will throw this rock. Going back to Acts chapter, I want to say seven. It's talking about Stephen who was martyred. And verse 37 says, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him in one accord. They're getting ready to stone this man because he was preaching in the name of Jesus. So they cast out, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And <laughs> this is crazy. The witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And that guy was the man who would later change his name to Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. So at this time, they were laying their cloaks and their clothes and their jackets, all these things, down at his feet while he stood there in approval as they stoned this man to death because he was preaching in the name of Jesus. Now, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first time he's mentioned. And he was consenting to this man's death. He stood there in approval. And they must have held him in high regards because they, <laughs> they threw the cloth, threw their cloaks at his feet as he watched. Going on to the next chapter, chapter 8, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. 
At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. I want to stop right there because a lot of people miss that. I know I'm not really discussing that today, but this part, how it says they were all scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. Before then, they were all preaching, having church, having service in one area. And before Jesus left, before he ascended, he said, go out through all the earth, go out through all the world. <laughs> so it took something like this for them to be scattered. Because they were getting persecuted, so they arose and separated and then started setting up camp and preaching again. So that's pretty crazy. A lot of people missed that. So it goes on to say, once again, that he was consenting to this man's death. A great persecution arose. And verse 2, it says, A devout man carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So <laughs> this guy, anyone who had anything to do with Jesus, he was going in house to house, kicking in doors, taking them to prison, putting them to death, all these things this dude Saul was doing. And if you read anything about how he was well-educated, how he walked by the law to the best of his ability, to where he felt like he was justified and holier than anyone else. That's how Saul was, right? And outside looking in, he thought he was better than these other people. He thought they were wrong. So once again, this is chapter 8 in the book of Acts. The very next chapter, chapter 9, is when he's on the road to Damascus and he sees the light. He understands who Jesus is. He understands these things. I'm going to read it. Chapter 9, starting in verse 1. I like how it starts off. He's letting you know this guy's still wreaking havoc. He's still causing chaos. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters for him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any one of the way, which is followers of Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So still breathing threats and murder against the disciples. He wanted basically some warrants. He wanted something to take to ensure that anyone that was following Christ would be brought into captivity, possibly even put to death. Goes on to say, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responds, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? I like that because a goad is a spike stick they used to drive cattle. They would hit cattle to drive them a certain way. He's saying, you're kicking against the goads. You're going against the grain. You're going the wrong way. He's letting Saul know that you're going the wrong way. Going back up to verse 2, it says, If he found anyone who were of the way, whether men or women, he wanted to bound them and bring them back to Jerusalem. And Jesus right here is saying, you're going the wrong way because you're kicking against the goats. 
Verse 6 says, So he, speaking of Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm going to stop right there because a lot of people miss that. His response, once he understands that he was going the wrong way, that he was kicking against the goads, that he was going about it the wrong way, thinking he was justified, thinking he was right, thinking he was holier than thou. He understood who Jesus was. He understood once he saw the light. And then he asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, these are the things that we should ask on a daily. He says he gives us our daily bread. So each day we should ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's awesome. It goes on to say, the Lord said to me, Arise and go into the city. And you, sh you shall be told what you must do. What you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. They led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And there he was for three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. I'm going to continue to read. I like this part. It says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Now keep in mind, the last two chapters is talking about how he was breathing murderous threats. He was wreaking havoc. He was a, a bad dude. He was known to be a bad dude, right? So the Lord appears to Ananias and says, I want you to go lay hands on this man, pray for him, give him sight, heal him. So I would have been a little skeptical also showing up at this man's house who's basically have has warrants in his possession <laughs> to arrest anyone who follows Christ. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, I like how he says this as well, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, I like how he specified right off the bat, Saul, the Lord Jesus, he let him know, hey, Jesus sent me, bro, don't trip out. I'm laying hands on you. I'm trying to give you your sight, but let it be known I was sent by Jesus. He sent me here. So, you know, if something jumps off, just remember <laughs> who sent me. So he says, once again, Brother Saul, calls him brother. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So he received his sight, he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So the same disciples that he was on his way to have imprisoned, he spent days with, fellowshipping. Verse 20 reads, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. It says, Then all 
who heard were amazed and said, Is not the one who destroyed those who called on his name of Jerusalem has come here for that purpose, that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? Hmm. Isn't that something? On his way with warrants to have them in prison, possibly even death. And then all of a sudden, he sees the light on the road. He's blind for three days, receives his sight, fellowships, and then it says immediately he starts preaching. This is the transformation right here. That man we once knew who was wreaking havoc, who was breathing murderous threats, is no more. He's being transformed, be, being renewed. So this is where that Saul versus Paul comes in. Because you got to keep in mind who Saul was, right? The man who seemed justified in his actions, thinking he was right, thinking he knew best, thinking he was holier than thou. This is what has to be done because these things are not of God. That's what he was thinking when he was breathing those murderous threats, when he was doing those things. He thought that Jesus was not the Son of God, that it was a hoax, that it was malarkey. <laughs> so he was trying to shut it down. But once he understood it, once he saw the light, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So at that very moment, what Saul didn't want to do was lose himself. Once he understood, all right, I was going about this the wrong way. I can't lose myself in this. I thought I was holier than thou. I thought I was justified. Now I know I don't know anything. <laughs> I thought I knew. I had no idea. That's what he's thinking now. He says immediately he was basically contrary to what he was saying before. Complete opposite. He's like, you know what? I know what I was saying, but this guy's legit. So now Paul, this guy, is doing miraculous things in the name of the Lord. The Lord is looking after him as he travels city to city preaching. And as I said earlier, he was standing in watching while Stephen was being martyred, while he was being stoned. While Paul was in a city, he was actually stoned and drug out of the city and presumed dead. I love that verse as well because he says he gets up as the disciples were watching him. They're looking at him. It says he gets up and walks right back into the city. And I always thought about why would he do that? Because they were watching him. Like they were wondering if he was going to quit. They were wondering if they were like, all right, we, we know what happened with Stephen. You know, uh, this is getting a little rough. What do you think we should do? What did he do? He hopped up, dusted himself off, walked right back into the town that just stoned him, that thought he was dead, to let them know, hey, we're not quitting. We're not stopping. Jesus is Lord. So that's the difference between Saul and Paul. And think about this as well. Saul <laughs> was basically very wise, very intelligent. He knew the book. He knew all these things of the law. And when he spoke previously, Sadducees, Pharisees, everyone would listen. Now that he's preaching in the name of Christ, he's got hecklers. He's got people, you know, 
trying to get them to stop preaching, stop teaching, calling them crazy, calling them a traitor, all these things. And keep in mind, this guy probably wasn't used to that. It probably irked him a little bit. That's the way I always look at it. Probably irked him that as he was speaking, people were, you know, cutting him off and throwing things at him and telling him to shut up, basically, right? And think about what that does to a man's ego that was used to having the floor, was used to being able to speak freely, had followers, like they would they respected him. Now they're like, oh, this guy's a traitor, he's he's done this, he's done that. He was saying this, now he's saying that. Let's not listen to him. It also says that he had people that would basically heckle him traveling from town to town as he preached and give him a hard time. So I was thinking about that. And this is just me. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how he was talking about he has this thorn in his side that he prayed three times. He prayed three times that it would be removed. And he said the Lord said that his grace was sufficient for him. I thought about that thorn what that represented thought about that and i was like you know what a lot of people don't know this verse it's actually found in judges chapter 2 and it speaks about a thorn and i'll read it to you judges chapter 2 i'm gonna start on verse 2 it says and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land you shall tear down their altars but you have not obeyed my voice why have you done this therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but there shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So he's talking about the people of the land that the Israelites were not supposed to associate with, not supposed to pick up their habits. They started mingling with them anyway, right? So he says, all right, I was going to wipe them out and give you this land, but now they're going to be thorns in your side. <laughs> now they're going to be, you know, an irritation. So I always look at it like that. When it comes to that thorn that Paul was speaking of. Now, a lot of people say it was his vision. They have other, but just me, just from that scripture alone, I can see that being an issue. The way that he was able to speak freely, the way that he had followers, the way that, you know, he kind of exalted himself, not knowing. And the Bible says those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, Saul whether you realize it or not, was very prideful. Paul, very humble. He understood the status he had. And then if you read what he's saying right after that, he's saying, I am the least. I am the worst of the apostles. I am the least. He's letting you know that, hey, now that I have some understanding, <laughs> I know that I'm nowhere near what God would have me to be. But I continue to strive to be there. So once he understood, once he realized, one thing he didn't want to do was lose himself. So Saul was basically at war <laughs> with Paul for the remainder of his life. He was trying to overcome what he had been. He was trying to overcome the things he had done because he thought he knew, but he had no idea. Once we come to the light, once we see, just like he did on the road to Damascus, we should ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because there's things that we've been doing on our own, on our own accord, thinking it to be right. We got to understand that 
It's for his will, his glory. We got to understand, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which way should I go? You saw Paul immediately rose up and started preaching. What would God have you to do? But in the midst of that, remember, don't lose yourself. Uplift others. Encourage others. Remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. And bring others with you. The G-O-D. God bless.